This is Expat Life with Molly and Helena, a podcast where we discuss life and experiences around the world. We have lived abroad for 20 plus years, and in total, that adds up to 11 countries in different parts of the world. This podcast tells the story about navigating life with an intention to inspire, share, support, and engage fellow expats around the globe. No matter where you live, we welcome you to be part of our community. I'm Helena, and I'm here with my wonderful friend and co-host, Malin. I'm super happy to be back. Me too, and I'm really looking forward to this episode. Yes, but before we get back to the topic, I would love to know what you have been up to lately. Oh, we have had fantastic spring weather, and I think you can probably even hear the birds singing in the background here, because we had Molly's place, and she has this beautiful backyard, and the, the birds are, are really loud, but it's so nice. Half of the backyard is dead, though, because the grass doesn't have any water at the moment, so. <laughs> but the rest of it is still looking good. <laughs> Yeah, so the weather has been really beautiful and it coincided with some visits as well from both friends and family. Yeah, you have been really busy. (laughs) Yes, I have. (laughs) And do you have any highlights from the visits? Yeah, having friends and family visiting is is always a special occasion. But if uh, if I have to pick three highlights, uh, I would say uh, probably um, an evening concert in the Botanical Garden classical music it was beautiful i was a little bit jealous because i tried to get tickets for that last year and it was completely sold out yeah they sell out really quickly but they are on until september so you may still have time okay i should give it a go then yes (laughs) we also got some tickets to the madrid open so we watched tennis uh, a full day actually we both love tennis, but I have to say my husband is is the biggest tennis fan. And, and he actually got tickets for the next year final already. <laughs> <laughs> That's a commitment. Yes. He's a good husband. <laughs> <laughs> so you have something to look forward to already. Absolutely. Nice. Then you and I have a friend in common that uh, was also here visiting. And we went for dinner, for a lovely dinner. It was exactly what I needed. I haven't been out with you girls for a long time. It's been quite busy at home and I've really been missing uh, just, you know, sitting down together with you guys and uh, laughing a lot. Oh, we laughed so much. We did. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, I find that so fascinating because we are really different uh, in terms of our personalities and yet it's so inspiring. Yeah, it's always nice to reconnect and spend some time together. Yes, and we send our regards now to Holland. <laughs> what about you, Malin? How have you been enjoying the spring weather? Do you, do you have any highlights? Yes, for sure. <laughs> Always. We have been out uh, hiking in the mountains and that was quite a long time since the last time, so, which made me enjoy it even more. Beautiful. We went to La Pedrisa, uh, which is an area that you know. Yes. It's not far from Madrid and we went uh, with a couple of my partner's friends. They're all Spanish, so it was a full day of Spanish lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) I came home quite exhausted, not from the hike, but (laughs) mentally. We did a route that uh, we haven't been doing before. At least it was new for me, so I really enjoyed that. And then, of course, I had brought a picnic along, so we had uh, tea and uh, bread and cheese and some veggies uh, up on the top. Always prepared. Of course. So that was one of the highlights. Very nice. I love that. And then you and I, we went to a workshop as well. 
Oh, yes. That was really interesting. It was like a personal development uh, workshop. Follow up by a brunch. Yes. Uh, and uh, I left feeling really zen. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lovely morning. It, it, it was. And the facilitator, she is absolutely brilliant. Uh, we both know her. Uh, so, so it was a very inspiring morning. Yeah, we went with a group of friends as well. So it, was, it couldn't have been better. No, and then we had a really sweet ending to it as well. Because when we walked to the car, we passed one of these independent shops that still exist in Madrid. It looked really insignificant. And then we looked through the window and could see uh, the chocolate. So we went in and there was a Belgian man, a little bit older. He was very entertaining and made a really good job. Uh, so we, of course, all ended up buying chocolate. <laughs> Mine are gone already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So maybe it's time now to move on to the topic of this episode. Yes, that's why we are here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in the previous episode, we covered the expat life cycle. Yes, the expat life cycle or the roller coaster of the expat life. Yeah, that's a very good way of describing it. So in the last episode, we covered the first three phases, which are the preparation, honeymoon and culture shock. Exactly. And in this episode, we are going to speak about the next stage, which is the adaptation or integration phase. Yes, just as you said, we will continue with the fourth phase uh, today. What we have read is often called the adaptation phase. But when you and I have had a discussion, we think it... Um, includes much more than just adaptation. Uh, it has like several different components within that phase. Some of the words that we would uh, use to describe it is acceptance uh, of what is. Um, it can be adjustment. It can also be an adaptation to what is happening in the new country. For some people, it can also over time be an integration into the society. Yeah, that's right. It's actually a phase where you tend to go from uh, settling in into to settling down, more integrating and finding your feet. Very much so. It, it's interesting because we spoke about the honeymoon where everything is just rosy and shiny and then the cultural shock which is kind of the opposite, where everything is more or less a disaster. Yeah, a glimpse of reality. Yes, and then you come to somehow the middle ground, where there are things that are perfectly fine. There are things that are probably better um, in your home country, but you're still willing to accept uh, the new country's customs and habits. Yeah, and, and also that you realize that it's different, and different doesn't have to be bad. Different can actually be... Just different. <laughs> yep. Uh, and it's okay. Uh, uh, fully uh, agree with that. So we've been thinking a little bit about the different areas where we have experienced this adjustment and the acceptance. And we have also, of course, looked at the literature to see which are the areas where people can potentially find hurdles and then also find ways around it. And some of those include the food, for instance, uh, relationships, uh, admin, uh, customs, uh, communication. Yeah, and even work life and social life. Yes, all of these areas and probably many more that we haven't spoken about can be relevant. 
As a Swede, bread is a very important part of our diet, I would say. And I grew up uh, eating cheese sandwiches for breakfast. Yeah, so did I. (laughs) (laughs) So somehow bread, uh, you know, was important to us uh, when we moved to Abu Dhabi. The first year or so, we couldn't really find any bread uh, that we liked. It was a lot of toast bread and it didn't really appeal to us. So we ended up going to Dubai. Driving to Dubai. Driving to Dubai. That was an hour, an hour and a half, one way, every Saturday morning. (laughs) <laughs> to go to a French cafe that had the most amazing baguette. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> so then we had breakfast there with a baguette and uh, other things. Then we bought a couple of baguettes with us uh, back home and drove back to Abu Dhabi. And that was our Saturday treat. And how long was the drive? <laughs> that was an hour and a half almost, each way. It better be good bread. It was good bread. <laughs> And and I think for, for me, that's just, you know, a, a minor detail, but it made us really happy that we were able to get something that we really missed. Then there were other things that were not so easy to get by, but those were things that we could live without. That's a great example of how you find coping mechanism in this phase uh, to deal with hurdles and how to ab- overcome them. Yes, there were also a lot of other food that we couldn't get in Abu Dhabi but they were not important to us and then it was easier to live without it but the bread was really important at the time. (laughs) Speaking about one of the other areas uh, where you somehow adjust um, is uh, the relationships. Yeah that's right Uh, our experience is that you have to take the first step you have to make an effort basically. Very much so I think that you're also in this phase moving away from feeling alone and victimized to instead of having the energy to actually, okay, let's see where can I potentially meet someone. And I remember you told me a really sweet story when you moved to Madrid. Oh, about the newsstand. Yes. <laughs> what was that? I basically didn't speak the language when we arrived in Madrid. We lived in the center and in every street corner there was a newsstand. So when I passed the newsstand on my street, the owner always recognized me and always said hello to me, which made me feel really, really good because I didn't know that many people at the time. And at least there was somebody there, you know, recognizing me, being friendly saying hello. So yeah, it really made my day. I think that is such a good story of how small things can make a big difference. Absolutely. Uh, And even more so, I think, when you're new and you said you didn't speak the language. Uh, So I think when we speak about relationships, it's not about meeting your best friends always. No, not necessarily. It can be these small things. And over time, you can then build that relationship or other relationships. At my children's school in Abu Dhabi, we had to pay the school fees and everything in cash at the school. And the cashier only had open, you know, for an hour a day or something like that. So as parents, we then had to line up and wait for the cashier. And then obviously there was a long line. Uh, you pay monthly or how did you pay? No, I, no, it wasn't monthly. But I mean, it wasn't a frequent basis that you had to stand in line and wait. <laughs> <laughs> so you made a lot of friends there. Yes, I actually, I mean, you don't start to chat with people. And at least, you know, uh, that you have in common then that your, your children are going to the same school. At one of those occasions, I spoke to a lady, a lovely lady, and it turned out that our daughters were the same age. That chat then continued to a coffee uh, another day, and that 
continue to a friendship that is still very very strong so you you never know and I'm not sure I would have done that everywhere but having that open mind I think um, is important to open up for relationships whatever they may be yeah I can relate to that I've made many friends through my children's school it's an easy way as a parent but not everyone had children so we need to be aware of that of course yeah, and another difference that you talked about before, Malin, was uh, food. Have you gotten used to the eating hours here in Madrid in, or Spain? I would say yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If I am to choose, what, what I'm really finding quite challenging, if I'm honest, is the dinner time. Which is very late for those of you who don't know. It is very late and also the lunch hour is late. But for me, that is easy. I'm happily eating lunch around two, three. That is for me no, not an issue. In Sweden, we eat lunch at 12. Quite a difference. Yes. And despite uh, the big difference, I have no issues with that. But when it comes to the dining time, there are restaurants that don't open until 8.39. <laughs> and oftentimes when we go out... The dinner starts at 10 or 10.30. Yeah. And that's just the starting time. I know. For me, that is still something. Uh, my partner is Spanish. And it's something that we are debating almost <laughs> every single dinner. <laughs> well, I never forget when one summer we got a reservation at uh, midnight. Wow. Yeah. So that's we, late. We started, we got our dinner at one. And I think we left the restaurant at two o'clock. And when I mentioned to my husband, I said, well, isn't this a little bit late? He was like, yeah, but it's summer. (laughs) Yeah, summer in Spain. You get a reservation at midnight. Yeah, and and maybe that explains, if you eat dinner that late, that also explains why they have a very light breakfast. Absolutely. Uh, But for me, I mean, if we speak about, you know, adjusting, that is one area where I'm not sure I will ever adjust, to be honest. I think we have found some kind of a middle ground, meaning that when we go out with his friends, we eat dinner late. And when we go out with my friends, we tend to have dinner earlier. I think that's a great compromise. (laughs) How do you do? Because you have the same thing. You're married to a Spaniard. Right. But we also lived for many years in the States. So we are not typical Spanish, I would say. Um, When the kids were, were younger, we had dinner earlier. Now I think it's a little bit of very mixed. But as you said, you find ways of coping with the differences. It also makes life quite interesting, I would say. Oh, totally agree with you. Helena, you have also worked in uh, most of the countries that you have lived in. Can you see any differences in the work cultures? And I mean, how have you coped with that? Yeah, that's a good question. I have worked in pretty much every country where I've lived in Spain, for example, the long working hours has, was definitely a challenge for me when I first started here. But you end up coming to terms with it, as there's really nothing you can change. Well, that said, in more international environment, hours tend to be more flexible. From my experience, the organization in Sweden, at least, is much more flat compared to working in Abu Dhabi, where the hierarchy is quite evident, I think. Yeah, here in Spain as well. Okay, so that, that is also one of those differences that you either have to accept them or you have to find another way around it because exactly. that is something that you cannot change. No, absolutely. I, I fully agree with you. 
Another interesting thing I found uh, when I was working in Abu Dhabi, at the end of uh, each year, I invited the colleagues home to celebrate, you know, their achievements and, uh, you know, to, to meet on a more social level. That sounds very nice. It was very nice. But the first year they were really surprised. They said, are we coming home to you? <laughs> oh, really? They were not used to it. They were not used to that. For me, that was one of those differences that were really interesting. In Sweden, it's quite common to socialize with your work colleagues. Inviting someone home isn't that big of a deal. But I have found that in some other countries, probably also because of the way people live, it's more common to meet and socialize in restaurants or you go out together. Whereas in Sweden, it's not uncommon to invite people over to your place. In New York, we mainly socialized in restaurants. And uh, I have to say it's the same thing here in Madrid. So we have now covered some of our own experiences on how to settle in and, and to adjust to a new country. And our friends have told us um, that they have obviously other ways of coping and strategies. That's for sure. What we have seen from um, the studies that we've been looking at is also then that the, um, gradually the personal satisfaction is increasing or improving. Yeah, and even though you may not live life to its fullest just yet, you have come to terms with this reality and have embraced the the process of adapt- adaptation, I would say. I really like how you put that. The commonality in the adaptation phase is that the situation is somehow stabilizing. And when the situation is stabilizing, your energy level normally comes back. Absolutely. And with that, the personal satisfaction is oftentimes growing as well. And you can then bumble along and live your life. It's so true. I think you've learned to appreciate the small victories and, and the moments of progress and the little joys that come with adapting to a, um, a new life, a new country. You may also have a, a developed a deeper sense of resilience, patience and uh, an open-mindedness. Well said. <laughs> In the final part of today's episode, we will speak a little bit about how to transition from the cultural shock to the adaptation phase with greater ease. So here are our takeaways and hands-on advice. Yeah, so our first piece of advice would be to learn the language and preferably before uh, you move to have some type of knowledge of the language is so helpful because it does give you access to to the local community, to the culture, and also to the labor market in, in case you're interested in, in working. You're raising a really good point in, if possible, trying to start before you move. When I came to Spain, I could only say hola. <laughs> and that's not enough to get by in Spain. Um, no. Th- thanks to my kids, uh, we managed to get by a little bit quicker. But of course, you know, just having the basic understanding before you come somewhere is helpful. Yes, basic understanding of the language is a really good start. And over time, if you learn to master the language, it will be easier to fully integrate into the country. It allows you also to gain insights into the the new country, the new customs, traditions and and way of life, basically. And that's very much where you are today with the Spanish, isn't it? Yes, I think after 20 years, I I should be able to speak the language. Yes, but even so, I think you told me the other day that I mean you're able to make jokes in Spanish and you understand the, the jokes in Spanish. 
I think that is really mastering a language. Yeah, you make a really good point. Understanding um, the sense of humor and also uh, being able to make jokes, understand jokes, it really helps you to integrate in a country. Our second recommendation is to get into your routines, whatever they may be, as soon as possible. In the start, it may even just be going to the supermarket in the morning or getting out for a walk, bringing your kids to school if you have any kids. Whatever it is, just get something going in the mornings because once you're up, then the day is passing by. Absolutely, I hear you there, Martin. And I think having a routine is also a way of maintaining your sanity. It is very much about maintaining your sanity. And if you have activities to undertake during the day, it is also easier to find that structure. So what could those activities be? Well, you could, for example, you could sign up for a course or join a group uh, with uh, like-minded people. Well, what type of courses are you speaking about, Helena? Well, it could be anything from like cooking classes, art workshops, dance lessons, hiking groups. You can join a gym or a sports club. Um, it's a fantastic way to, to meet like-minded and also to feel less, less of a disconnect with a new country. Yes, and even if you don't speak to any people in these activities, it still gives you a focus of the day on the day. And that itself is important. Oftentimes, though, over time, you will then also meet people that you can speak to and hang out with. But as an initial way, make that first effort. It normally pays off. I have also been doing uh, online university courses from yeah. abroad which doesn't get me out of the house, but it gave me, gave me a sense of importance to the day yeah. during certain times. And a structure, schedule. A structure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I have another great example here. As a friend of mine was an expat in Madrid, um, a trailing spouse, I think they call it. And she struggled to find her feet in the beginning in, in her stay here. However, things really changed when she decided to take up running and she set her sights on a, on a marathon. So as she was training, she not only did she explore the city through her long runs, but she also it also gave her like the anchor that she needed to feel grounded in her new country. So it gave, it gave her a sense of, of purpose and, and a reason to explore and engage. That's a really good example. Other ways to find things to do is to volunteer either for NGOs or if you have children you can volunteer oftentimes volunteers in the parent uh, organizations at schools I have had several friends who spent their entire days building the coulisses and doing the makeup and the costumes for the theater productions at school and that's, that's a great way yeah it created that's a brilliant. really nice community of parents who were helping out and they were also then doing something good they were doing something creative many of them also used their professional skills in doing so yeah i think that's great it does give you um, a sense of of doing something meaningful basically very very much uh, and i know you also volunteered in mexico yeah i volunteered at an orphanage and it was really really great great experience our main takeaway here is really make the effort uh, because no one is going to sit and wait for you, unfortunately. But if you make the effort, it pays off. And it could be as simple as inviting your neighbor over for a cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. It, getting integrated does take time and effort. Uh, so just be open. 
proactive and curious about the local cultures and, and step out of your com- comfort zone a little bit and approach each experience with, with an open mind. Yes, and if you feel lonely, reach out. Either to the people that you already know from back home or from wherever you came from. Or tell someone who is in your local community at the moment. Because my experience is that you're not alone in those feelings. Most likely. So, And people are normally very helpful if they know that you're feeling alone. But if you don't share your feelings with anyone, it's difficult for people to help. So true. So with those tips, I think it's time for us to wrap up for today. Thank you, Helena. It's been a pleasure again. As always, thank you, Malin. And thanks to our listeners. In our next episode, we will speak about the highlights of being an expat. That should be fun. And if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us on Instagram. Have a good week. Bye.